All right, so good to see each and every one of you. Welcome to Vision Sunday. Can you turn around to your neighbor and say, Welcome to Vision Sunday? We had a really, really powerful time of prayer last Sunday. And those of you who were not here, I really encourage you to watch it on YouTube because there were so many things that the Lord spoke to each and every one of us. And everyone went back home with a rema word from the Lord. Amen. So today I'm also believing that God's going to speak to you. And I want you to believe that you're going to hear from God. Even though the preacher preaches, the true teacher the Holy Spirit is in your heart. And He will breathe on the Word of God that you need the sentence, the verse that is specifically for you. And when you take that, I tell you, it will guide you and guard you for the whole year. Can you say Amen? Hallelujah. So it's going to be an exciting message. I want you to receive it with all your heart. But I want to put a disclaimer. A disclaimer. The disclaimer is that whatever word God releases to us, we must receive by faith. We must take it as it is from God and understand that our participation, our belief is important. And at the same time, I want you to understand that the word of God comes along with the difficulties in our circumstances. So that when you hear a word from God, you should not experience, because we all know that we will experience good and bad even this year, negative and positive. But the negative things that we experience should not make us doubt the word of God. Last year we gave the word acceleration and fulfillment. And for some of you, it happened only at the end of the year. See, when Joseph got the word, the vision from God, that his own father and mother would bow down to him and he would be a ruler, immediately the circumstances of his life went into the negative, not the positive. Immediately, bad things started happening in his life. He was persecuted by his brothers. He was sold as a slave. He was in Egypt. He ended up in prison. So the circumstances of his life did not match the power of God's prophetic word over him, but he kept on believing. So it's important that you understand that when the word from God comes, it's going to require us to fight with faith, to hold on to that word. And there are many times the enemy will fight you through the circumstances of your life, your own feelings, your thoughts, through the opinions of people to make that word seem like it's a false word, that it's a wrong word. And many times believers, they get confused. Pastor, I don't know what you said. You said this word in my life is turned out to be the opposite. Exactly. That's the time when you will have to fight by faith and prayer. And you have to possess the word. Just because God told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the promised land is yours, did not mean that it came to them automatically. They fought for it. There were giants in that land. Are you with me? You see, every word that comes from God will have giants on it that you will have to fight and possess that word. It doesn't just come easily. 
The harder part is from God. He's the one by His grace, He fights on our behalf. He's the one who makes those things happen in our life. But our part is to stand in faith. And Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, later on, Moses, and everyone, Joshua, they possessed the promises by fighting. That today is our faith. We must fight with faith whatever word we receive. Can you say amen? Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray. Say, Father God, I am ready to receive the word that you have for me. My heart is obedient, teachable, and submissive to your word. And I'm ready, and I'm excited, and I'm open, Lord, to hear from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you ready? Oops. Something has happened to my mic. Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Okay. All right. Turn to Isaiah 60 verses 1 to 3. Isaiah 60 verses 1 to 3. So this is the verse that the Lord gave to me for this year. And of course, it's a familiar verse, but a familiar verse can become a rhema verse. Something that God speaks specifically to us. So let's read from verse 1 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Let's read together. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. And that's what we are seeing. Deep darkness. In fact, it's almost like the enemy is almost playing his cards openly. We are seeing selfishness, greed, witchcraft openly on media nowadays. So deep darkness will cover the people. But this is the exciting word. But. Everyone say but. See, we are people of God. We are children of God. No matter what is happening in the world, there's always a but. Amen. Hallelujah. And that but is from God. We are the people of the but. Turn to your neighbor and say, we are the people of the but. Amen. No matter what's happening in the world, trust in the but. And the Bible says, the Lord will arise over you. Now, this is God's promise that when there is darkness on the earth for the people of God, God will shine in their lives and through their lives. And this is the part that I like. His glory will be seen upon you. God is not only saying His glory will be with you. His glory will be in you. God is saying His glory will be seen. Seen. Seen not only by you, not in a spiritual sense, but seen by people around you, by the world. Can you say hallelujah? His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So, I sense in my heart the Lord saying this phrase, exceeding glory. Exceeding glory. Can you say exceeding glory? Exceeding glory. 
So for us as a church this year, we are believing that 2023 will be a year of exceeding glory. Can you say amen? Can you say exceeding glory? Come on, let's give praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. A year of exceeding glory. His glory will be seen upon you this year. That's the part of the verse I want you to take in your heart. God's glory will be seen upon my life. What is the glory of God? Now the glory of God is one of the most outstanding characteristics about God. It's the Hebrew word kabod, which literally means heaviness. The heaviness of God. The weight of God. It also means the splendor of God, the, the almightiness of God, the, the, the abundance of God. How heavy is God? If God literally came into this room right now with all his magnificence, how heavy would it be? See, when a VIP walks into a room, depending on the position he holds, they have weight. The weight is that when they walk in, everybody stands. The weight is that when they speak, we all listen because they have a certain glory on their position, even though it may be an earthly glory. Well, God has divine glory. And His literal presence, His magnificence, His almightiness has weight. And when that weight sits upon His people, when the glory of God sits upon your life, how can your life change? Think about that. One author describes glory this way. The wealth of God. The numbers of God. The commerce. The power. The wisdom. The promotion. The superiority. The dignity. The authority. The nobility. The splendor. The valor. The magnificence. Extraordinary privileges and advantages. See, the glory describes everything that God is. Every name that God has, which communicates His characteristics, is included in His glory. Now, we say glory without even understanding the meaning of the word. But I tell you, when we talk about the glory of God, we cannot even imagine how it will look in our lives. Because it is so multifaceted, has so many different expressions. And the word from God for our church this year, which includes you, is it's a year of exceeding glory wherein you're going to see characteristics, blessings. I mean, you're going to see the glory, the honor, the magnificence, the wisdom, the grace, the almightiness, the provision. Of God in so many different aspects of your life. Amen. See, God wants the church to be a glorious church. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 27, the Bible says, God wants to present to Christ a glorious church. A glorious church. God doesn't want a weak church. He wants a glorious church. And His grace will do it. So when we talk about the church, don't think only in terms of denominations. Don't think only in terms of active church, inactive church, big church, small church. No. We have to really have a vision of a glorious church. That is the real deal for a church. 
It could be a church of less glory or we can be a church of more glory. And let me tell you this. The influence and the impact of a church is not determined by the size of the church, the building of the church, but by the weight of the church. Can you say amen? The weight of the church. See, in the holy place, in the tabernacle of Moses, there was the candle, the seven candlestick made of gold, wherein there would be oil perpetually and the light shining. And that seven candlestick represents the church. In Revelation chapter 1, the Bible says, Jesus spoke to John from the midst of the candle. And the candle represents the church, the Jesus Christ, the candlestick. And there is no dimensions given in the Bible about the, the weight of that candlestick, the height and the depth. But we all know gold is heavy. Amen. So the, the influence of a church is not about being 2,000 member church. It's not having this reputation. Biggest church in Asia. Nagas like those kind of titles. See, in the kingdom of God, the weight of the church matters more than the size of the church. I'm not talking about the weight of the iron rod and cement and the bricks in this building. I'm talking about the weight of the church. That means the presence of God that is here, that through this church, impact of the nations happen. The amount of souls that get saved. The influence in people's life. The deliverance that takes place. That is more important than how many people are in the church. The glory of God in the place. There's some churches that would have small numbers, but they impact more than churches that have bigger numbers. And the difference is really the glory that the church carries. The glory that the church carries. So our focus should be more on hosting more of God's presence in this place rather than having more people come. And I tell you, when we have more of God's presence, more people would want to come. Amen? Hallelujah. So, God wants the church to be a glorious church. Now, when we look into the scriptures, we will understand glory is manifested in three main areas. So let's take a look at that. Number one, God's presence. God's presence. The glory of God is also defined in scriptures as the literal presence of God. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 10 to 11, And it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. At the dedication of Solomon's temple, when all the priests were gathered, all the rulers of Israel were gathered and they were ministering to the Lord, a cloud appeared. And that is the very presence of God. Because God in the Old Testament told Israel, I will be with you in the cloud by day and the fire by night. Jewish rabbis call that the Shekinah glory of God. The literal manifested presence of God and it filled the temple that's also a prophetic picture of how God wants to fill his church 
He wants to fill his church with his presence. Do you know that there are millions of churches today around the world that are worshiping God today? But not in every church will the presence show up. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love them. But the presence of God will show up in places where people are ministering to Him, hungry for Him, believing in Him, surrendered to Him in humility. And the Bible says when the presence of the Lord manifested in the temple, the priests could not stand and they fell to the ground. They fell to the ground. See, this tells me that when the presence of God is upon our lives, it will bring changes in our lives. It will affect our lives. It will manifest in some blessing that we will see. Can you say amen? See, the word Shekinah does not appear in the Bible, but the concept is there. The literal manifest presence of God. That when it comes and sits upon Moses, when it sits upon David, when it comes and sits on the temple, when it comes and sits on Israel, there is a definite change, a definite difference in the atmosphere in their victory, in the situation. Hallelujah. This is a year where I want you to be presence-minded because the glory of God is manifested in His presence. As you hunger for more of God's presence and as you host God's presence in your life, that is an expression of glory. And I tell you, when that begins to sit on your life, manifest upon your life, it will bring wonderful things in your life. Not only in the church, but even in your own personal life. I remember this service we had in Shillong. It was a revival meeting. And it was a last service. And that whole day, me and our team, we had spent that time just ministering to the Lord, just singing songs to Him and worshiping Him for about two to three hours before lunch. And then we got ready for the evening revival service. And when we had gathered there, I just encouraged everyone to stand and just minister to the Lord. Just praise Him. Just bless Him. Come on, let's just do that. So we did that for about 15 minutes. And then suddenly, the atmosphere changed. Because the presence of the Lord fell so heavily upon the congregation that everyone was touched. I tell you, in that service, everyone was touched. My initial leading was just to pray for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So that's what we were doing. But while we were doing that, there were people being set free from demonic oppression. People were getting healed. People were touched. People were seeing visions and dreams. The whole congregation, everyone was touched. Because when the glory of God falls on a place, God begins to minister irrespective of the preacher whatever he may be saying. God ministers according to the needs of the people. Healings took place. Deliverance took place. People were touched. People were getting saved. People were coming to the front and giving their lives even before we gave any altar call. So when the glory of God comes and sits on your life, what kind of a change do you think? What kind of a difference can it make? 
I remember times in my life when I would just spend time with the Lord a lot, praying in the Spirit, worshiping the Lord. And when I would come out of those times of prayer, wonderful things would just happen to me. People would just come and hand me money. People would just come up to my, you know, to a house and just give me things, give me things. Things that I like, things that I desired. Like I always share the testimony of the dear meat. People would just come, strangers would just come to the house and say, I just felt like, you know, we want to bless you with this. So when the presence of God is on your life, good things follow. The provision of God just follows. Things that we don't expect happens in our lives. The favor of God just manifests. I also remember times when the presence of God would be so heavy upon my life that when there would be persecution and then there would be people who were criticizing from many quarters, from many churches, it did not affect me at all. It was almost like every fiery dart of the wicked one that was targeted against me did not affect me at all because the presence of God was like a shield. I've also experienced that when I am filled with the presence of God and I'm talking to people, it puts a godly fear in their heart. A godly fear in their heart when they are dealing with you. I tell you, this is true. And you will need more and more of these kind of miracles in your life. When you're dealing with your enemies, when you're dealing with people who are opposed to you, my advice is this. Pray and pray a lot before you sit down with them. The presence of God will cause their hearts to change. When people sense the presence of God, and I tell you this, even unbelievers can sense the presence of God. Why? Because God made them. Even though they may not literally describe it as the presence of God, they will not say, I can sense the glory on you. They will not say it because they don't know those terms, but they will know that something is different with you. Something is different with you. A pastor friend of mine in Delhi was testifying how when he was building his church, the contractor was a Muslim man. And every time the contractor would speak with his family and friends, they would criticize this pastor and say, no, no, we, we will not allow him to build this. We oppose this building on our property because it was on the lease property. And they were saying, yeah, when we meet him, we will tell him this, we will tell him that, and we will say no. But when they would sit down with the pastor, suddenly his heart will change. And he'll be like, okay, whatever you say, I'm willing to do. See, when the presence of God is on your life, it puts a godly fear in the hearts of people. And let me also tell you this. You don't want to mess with people who carry the presence of God. Amen. So, this year, we must pursue the presence. Pursue the presence. Not just disciplines, but the presence. See, the purpose of your discipline of Bible reading is to spend time with Him. The presence. The purpose of prayer is not just to pray. The purpose of prayer is to pray till you experience His presence. Presence. And that's why I want to encourage you this year, church, practice the presence of God wherever you are. Don't just wait for Sunday where you will come and experience His presence. Throughout the week, practice His presence. You know why? God is always with you. How many of you are born again? Can I see your hands? The Bible says the Holy Spirit is in you if you are born again. Come on, say this with me. The Holy Spirit 
is with me. Okay. Now that means when you are in the bus, you are with the Holy Spirit. When you are in office, the Holy Spirit is with you. When you are in school, the Holy Spirit is with you. When you are shopping and arguing, the Holy Spirit is with you. Yes or no? Yes, when you are gossiping, the Holy Spirit is with you. He's in you. He's always in you. But I'm sure all of you, you don't sense the presence of God all the time. Right? So that's why you think, ah, I feel so persecuted here. I feel so fire. I have to go to prayer house to get back into His presence. Right? That's what we think. But that's a wrong theology. It's a theology of separation where you think God and you are separated. So to, to get into God's presence, you have to go to a physical place and you have to go and find a place where the presence of God is manifesting. That's also true. There are times when you need to go to those places. But there is no separation between you and God. We believe in the gospel of union. The theology of being one with God. Can you say amen? Because if you are born again, you are one with God. Can you say I am one with God? Amen. That means everywhere you are, you can practice the presence of God. How do you do that? Take five minutes when you are in the office to give thanks to God. Very simply, just say, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are with me. Jesus, I thank you that you are with me right now. You are in me and I'm with you. You and I are one. You are not far away. I thank you that you're with me. You're forgiving me of my sins. You're in me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just do that even for two or three minutes and I tell you the atmosphere will change in your office. I guarantee you when you are in the bus, just under your breath, you say this, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're with me. I thank you that you're with me. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for your presence. How many of you pray, Lord, please be with me? That's not a very scriptural prayer, you know that? Because God is always with you. God is always with you. So you don't have to pray, God be with me. You just have to practice his presence, and you will become aware of Him. It's all about renewing your mind. Become aware of His presence. Pray in tongues. When you're shopping, when you're in the bank, when you're out there in the cafe, pray in tongues under your breath. And I tell you, you'll become more aware of His presence. I pray in tongues everywhere I go. On the plane, airports, Traveling, I just pray in tongues. Sometimes it's just 30 seconds. Sometimes it's five minutes. I just pray in tongues. And the more I pray in tongues, I get aware of His presence. And I get aware that I am not alone. And the more I pray in tongues or I give thanks to the Lord, I practice His presence, I don't feel lonely. Because someone is always there with you. Can you say amen? And when you practice His presence, I tell you, favor happens. Favor. Strangers give you favor. When you have a difficult time at a ticket encounter, His presence will change the situation. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Look at Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 11. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. 
And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. What does the ark of the Lord represent? His presence. His presence. The ark of the Lord in Israel represented God is with them. Who is the ark of the, ark of the Lord? His name is Jesus and is in us. Do you know that the ark is in you? The ark of the Lord is in you. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. And the household of Obed-Edom was blessed because of the ark of the covenant. The presence of the Lord. Even for three months, he was so blessed that word came to David that Obed-Edom is blessed because of the ark of the covenant and there was a Godly jealousy that came into his heart. I want the presence in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. See, don't envy some believers who seem to always walk in the blessing and favor of God. It's not them. It's God upon them. And it is them who have sought God with all their heart, who have chosen to believe in His word and walk by faith. And if you will do the same, God is not a respecter of persons. He will show up in your life the same way. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. The second way the glory of God manifests is this. Turn to Matthew chapter 15, 30 to 31. And great multitudes came unto Him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and the glorified the God of Israel. The second way is power. Power. When Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit and the power of God manifested from his life, people were healed, delivered, set free. When the people experienced that, it says in the scriptures, they glorified the God of Israel. They gave glory to God. And throughout the scripture you see, when Jesus would heal, people would always give glory to God. So the glory of God is seen in the manifestation of power. Can you say power? The concept of power and glory go together. Look at these verses. Psalm 62, 63 verse 2. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Your power and your glory. Look at Luke chapter 21 verse 27. Let's read it together. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Let's look at another scripture. Psalm 145 verse 11. Are you ready? One, two, three. The glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. The concept of glory and power go together. A glorious church is a church that continually experiences the power of God to save people, to heal people, to deliver people, to bring miracles in people's lives. That's a glorious church. 
And God wants a glorious church. It is not just for revival people, Pentecostal people, prayer house people. God wants that even for Baptist churches, Catholic churches, Methodist churches, irrespective of denominations, because the true church of Jesus Christ is one. Can we say amen? We are connected in the spirit. See, some people say, well, all those healing things and all those miracle things, it's not for us. It's not for our denomination. Well, they forgot to read the memo that Jesus gave them. The notice that is there in the scriptures. God wants a glorious church. And a glorious church is a church that experiences the power of God. And in our church, we have seen over the years, in all our different ministries, manifestations of God's power. Regularly, people get healed. Regularly, people are filled with the Holy Spirit, delivered from satanic oppressions, and so on. Miracles, we keep on seeing that on a regular basis. Our healing rooms ministry, our sozo ministry, and so on. Hallelujah. Even on Wednesday when I was doing a Zoom with our churches in Myanmar, there was this Burmese lady from Singapore, part of the churches, who was listening. And just through the teaching over the Zoom, she was touched by the presence of God. She began to shake in the anointing of God and she got healed. Amen. Now, this is what God wants us to do this year. To expect more and more of these things happening. Miracles should be the ordinary for Christians, not extraordinary. Can you say amen? As a church, every Sunday, come and expect that God will do something. Come and expect that something God will do in your life. It's according to your faith. It's according to your expectance. But this is what God wants to do. He wants to manifest more of His power in our church this year. And that means even in your life. And therefore, our faith must rise. Our faith must rise to believe in that every year. The glory of the Lord will be increasing in our church. In John chapter 11 verse 14. Jesus said, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Or let me put it this way. If you would believe, you would see the power of God. If you would believe, God wants you to believe. If you would believe, you would see healing and miracles and signs in your life. Can we say amen? A glorious church is a church that experiences the power of God on a continuous basis. The third way is this. The goodness of God. Can you say the goodness of God? Turn to Exodus chapter 33 verses 18 to 19. And just let me tell you all at the end of the service we want to pray for all of you a prayer of blessing for the year with anointing oil. So just prepare your hearts to come and receive. Alright? I want to take time to minister. And just believe that even as we pray, God will release His presence, His blessing, His wisdom upon you. Amen. The altar call 
the place of the altar is really a place where I've seen God meet with His people. God can bless you there also when you are sitting at the back. But just a simple step of faith and obedience coming to the front to receive prayer from someone which represents the body of Christ, the leadership of Christ. You see, there is a blessing that comes through your humility. And that's the place where God meets people. So I really encourage you to just come and receive, all right, at the end. Exodus 33, verse 18 to 19. And he, that is Moses, said to the Lord, please show me your glory. So Moses is asking the Lord, can you show me your glory? How does God reply? Then God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Moses asked, show me your glory. God replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you. What happened here? Is God like that husband who never listens to the wife? Always replies the opposite? Moses is saying, show me your glory. And God is saying, I will make my goodness pass before you. Unless God meant my goodness is my glory. Amen. And that's what we see in the scriptures. Because when the glory of God is seen throughout the scriptures, from Genesis to Revelations, on the people of Israel, on the heroes of the faith, on the church in the book of Acts, what we see is that they experience the goodness of God in so many different ways. Provision, prosperity, protection. Amen. Leadings of the Lord that delivered them from captivity, from oppression. The goodness of the Lord manifests the glory of God. Now this is manifested in so many different ways. Prosperity is one of them. If you look at Haggai chapter 2, verse 6 to 9. Now, I want you to understand this. That in social media, you will see a lot of people attacking what we would call today the prosperity gospel. And they will attack a lot of ministers, calling them by name and criticizing this ministry and that ministry and that ministry. I want to tell you this. Don't listen to such people. Because the ministry is all about finding faults. The ministry is all about attacking this as a false preacher and that as a false preacher. And I tell you, when you will listen to that, it even steals your faith and your joy. Amen. Hallelujah. We understand that there have been abuses to this message. It has been abused by the greed of men. It has been abused by selfishness. But it does not take away from the word which teaches us the truth that prosperity is the will of God. But there's a purpose to it. It is to 
establish his covenant that he has made, the promise that he has made. And that refers to salvation. That refers to the gospel. So prosperity is there with a purpose. It is there to expand the preaching of the gospel. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. In Haggai chapter 2 verse 6 to 9, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory. Says the Lord of hosts, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple, and I believe the latter temple refers to the church, the last day's church, shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So when the glory of the Lord fills his temple, one thing that we will see is that the church will prosper more and more. Which includes you in your own personal individual lives because you are the church. It's not only the church as an organization prospering, it's the body of Christ prospering more and more. And I want you to have that faith this year. Even as all the experts, the pundits are saying, the economy will slow down more. Inflation will increase. Yet, we have this word from the scriptures. But, the Lord will arise over you. And His glory, everyone say His glory, will be seen upon me. Come on, say it with more conviction. His glory will be seen upon me. Now, don't try to think too much. Analyze too much. How, when, where. Just believe the word of God first. It is as you believe, God makes it happen. It's not that God makes it happen and then you see it and you believe. No, you must believe first. His glory will be seen upon you means this. His prosperity will be seen upon you. His provision will be seen upon you. If you're not excited about this, you're in the wrong church. See, one thing you must understand about faith is this. Faith gets excited at the Word of God. So one way you receive the Word of God is always with faith, with excitement, with enthusiasm. I may sound a little rude, but let me tell you this. Many of you are just receiving the word here. You're not receiving from here. If you don't receive the word from here, you will have a big head. But you will have no faith. See, when you receive the word of God, you must receive from the heart like a little child. Jesus said, you must enter the kingdom of God like a little child. Like a little child. When you tell a little child, we're going to give you ice cream after the service, they get excited. Why? Because they receive from their heart. See, you must receive the word 
with excitement and enthusiasm. Now, some of you may say, well, Pastor, we're not like, you know, these black churches. We're not like the white church. We are an Asian church. Listen, who told you Asians have no excitement? Who told you Nagas have no excitement? We are not Nagas. We are children of God. Can you say amen? Learn to live out of your identity as a child of God, not out of your Naganess. <laughs> Receive the word as a child of God from your spirit man. Can you say Amen. His glory will be seen upon you. What happened to all the children of God? Come on, get excited for the word. Amen? His glory will be seen upon you. What does that mean? His provision will be seen upon you. His power will be seen upon you. His presence will be seen upon you. See, a glorious church is a church increases in prosperity. Another manifestation of the goodness of God is this. In this place, I will give peace. Peace. A glorious church is a church that walks in peace. And by peace, we mean shalom. We mean wholeness, wellness, well-being. Well-being. That means the church becomes a place of refuge. It's a place where people want to come. It's a place where people want to come and find comfort and love and acceptance. And that's what God wants the church to be. Can we say Amen? Hallelujah. A glorious church is a church that increases in fruitfulness. That means we see more and more people get saved. We see more and more people get discipled. We see more and more leaders being raised up. We see more and more missions. We see more fruit. That's what a glorious church is. A glorious church is a church that walks in victory over the enemy. Look at Romans chapter 16 verse 20. And next time when you come to church, please bring your Bible. Okay? Bring your Bible to church. Turn to your neighbor and say, next time, when you come to church, bring your Bible. I'm telling you the truth. See, we want blessings from God. Let me tell you something, church. Some of you young people, you need a whack on your head. See, you are believing for glory, greatness and all, but your investment in the kingdom is zero. You invest zero and you want 100% return. And then at the end of life, you wonder, I wonder where God is, Pastor, I wonder where God is. Where is your investment in the kingdom? See, whatever you sow, you will reap. That is not a verse about performance. It's a verse of faith. Whatever you sow, you will reap. The degree of heart you give to God is the degree of blessings that flow from Him into your life. The principle of sowing is there in every area of life. In nature. In studies, 
God has given all of you brain. Yes or no? But some of you use it, some of you don't use it. The degree of study you give is the degree of success you get back from your studies. And so even with God. So with the Word of God. This is the most powerful book in the whole universe. This is a book filled with wisdom. This is a book filled with power. This is a book filled with life. This is a book that will deliver you from depression. This is a book that will guide you in your business. This is the book that will set you free from your enemies. This is the book that came from heaven. It does require some work and willingness to be opening it up, reading it, giving your heart and time to it to the point where you will see the blessings and the power of this book manifest in your life. Amen. Take God seriously. Because I tell you, you will need faith in these last days. We hear stories of our friends who have been arrested in parts of India and put into prison, pastors, because of their faith. And the whole ministry is shaken. The church is shaken. And this is happening more and more. And it is in those times that their faith has to be strong. They need to know how to pray. We've become too comfortable here in Nagaland. We've become too entitled. Doesn't matter whether my faith or my prayer life or my attendance. It's not important. When there is a problem, pastor has to come. Church has to come. That's what we think. Well, what happens when the pastor cannot come to your house? What happens when the church leaders cannot come? Because they cannot go everywhere. And when you're in the midst of a crisis and a difficulty, and it's the, that moment that you need to pray, you need to exercise your faith. So don't wait for a crisis to learn the Word. Don't wait for a crisis to learn how to pray. Every day, the things we do, it makes a difference. Can you say Amen? So let's read that verse. Romans 16 verse 20. Let's read together. One, two, three. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. The God of peace. When God's peace is experienced in our lives, we experience victory over Satan. The God of peace will crush Satan underneath your feet. Peace is a weapon. Peace is overcoming spiritual attacks. Peace is a great blessing. Peace is powerful. What we see lacking in the world today is peace. People are so frantic. People are so worried. People are so desperate. People are in depression about the future. Christians included. 
peace is such a rare commodity that is available from the scriptures, from God. It should be in every church. Every church should be full of peace. Every Christian should be a billionaire of peace. Amen. But we're all rich in fear. <laughs> rich in worry. Because everywhere you go, you're distributing fear and worry. Ah, what are we going to do? Ah, what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. Ah, what are we going to do? Ah, what are we going to do? What are you doing? You are distributing all your fear all around you. Peace. Peace is a sign of the glory of God. Can you say amen? Look at these three scriptures. Isaiah 43 verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Understand this. We are created for the glory of God. You are created for, it is not just pastors, it's not just special believers. Every Christian is created for the glory. Can you say this with me? I am created for the glory of God. Come on, say it louder. I am created for the goodness, the presence, and the power of God. The second thing I want you to see is this. God is already in you, which means the glory is already in you. Colossians 1 verse 26 to 27. Even the mystery which had been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Come on, say this with me. Christ is in me. The glory of God is in me. You already have the glory. Now when you walk by faith, you will see it manifest in your life. The third point I want you to see is this. God wants us to walk from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It is God's will for you to be transformed from glory to glory to glory. Amen. The path of the righteous, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10, is like the sun. The morning sun which rises, the sunrise. And it gets brighter and brighter and brighter until noonday. That's what God's purpose for every one of us is. When you are walking with God, God wants your life to keep on shining every year. Every year should be better than the last. Now, when I say this, I'm not saying you will not experience difficulty, experience trials and tribulations. And you have to be wise to understand how this word will come to pass in your lives. Because for some of you, it may be in a material, physical way. For some of you, it may be from your soul when you become more peaceful, when you become more faithful, when you become more gentle, when you are transformed more. For some of you, it may be in your ministry. For some of you, it may be in your job. For some of you, it may be in your family. Because the word manifests differently in all of our different lives. 
So don't compare and contrast with one another. Take this word, pray, and seek how the Lord will manifest it in your own life. But understand this. It's God's will that you are transformed from glory to glory. Hallelujah. As you walk with God more and more, more and more of God should be seen upon your life. Now let's look at the pathway. The pathway which is important. The pathway to seeing glory. And turn to a neighbor and say, another one hour in this place, right? All the shops are closed today. So don't worry. The pathway. Pathway. What is important for us? You see, Moses was the one in the Bible that saw the glory of God with greatest clarity. Why? Well, Numbers 12 verse 3 tells us, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. The Bible says Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. There's a connection between humility and glory. There's a connection between humility and more grace. How many want glory? More glory in your life. How many want more grace in your life? There is a road called humility that you have to walk. You have to humble yourselves. There is no adjustment. There is no backdoor appointment for more glory. I tell you, it's the path of humility. Humility. Humbling ourselves before the Lord. It was the same for Jesus who humbled himself even to the point of death. The death of the cross. Jesus was willing to go to the lowest and become the servant of all humanity. And because he was willing to go to the lowest, God took him to the highest. In the kingdom, high is low. Because the kingdom is the opposite of the world. Many people in the world, they want to put themselves on a high place. So they boast a lot about the connections. They boast about what they can do. They boast about who they are because they're trying to put themselves higher than the others. But let me tell you this. The more you boast, the more you're going down. The more you try to put yourself high in the kingdom, it's having an opposite effect. You're going lower because the Bible says pride leadeth to a fall. Amen. But when you put yourself low, you're going up high. Can you say amen? You see, in the kingdom, quiet is loud. When you're quiet, just walk with God, it has a loud effect. Many people are very loud. They exaggerate a lot about what God has done, what God is doing. But they make little impact. Small is big in the kingdom. Can you say Amen? Amen. 
So humility is the pathway. And what does humility look like? Well, in Jesus' life, what did it look like? The Bible says he was obedient to the point of death. Humility looks like obedience. Not only Sunday obedience, everyday obedience. It's called radical obedience. Obedience. You want to see God's glory on your life this year? Obedience. Not just confessing the word, not just coming to church and praying and claiming obedience every day of your life. Radical obedience. Obedience to the point of death is going to require sacrifice from you. It's going to require deep submission from your life. Obedience in every area of your life. If it's God's will for you to come to church every Sunday, obey. Not because the pastor said it, but because God's will says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. It's going to require obedience. You see, the pathway is something you do consistently. Many times I hear people say, I want to be fit. Oh, oh I wish I was fit. I wish I had six packs. All of us have six packs, but we can't see it. Because we see more the Christmas pack. Right? So people keep on saying, I want to be fit. I want to be fit. Oh, I want to be fit. I want to be fit. Right? But just because you want to be, you're not going to be. Unless you actually do something with your want and start exercising on a daily basis, watching what you eat on a consistent basis. And based on what you do consistently, you will have fitness level increase. Can you say amen? Do you agree with that? Wanting to be stronger in faith, wanting to experience the glory of God is not going to make it come on your life. Yes, it comes by the grace of God. But what is required from our part is our daily expression of faith. Your daily expression of your belief in God. And that's going to require something from you. Called obedience. Obey the word in every area. Obey. What may it look like in your life? Is it to serve God? Is it to be committed to a project? Is it to be consistently being faithful to a particular area? Obedience. It's going to require deep sacrifice. Even in simple basic things like prayer. Developing a lifestyle of prayer. Fervent prayer. Consistent prayer. See, obedience is not easy. Especially when you have to compete with your daily activities and the many other pleasures in society. Entertainment, parties, events. And now these people are more and more and more busy. And if you are not focused that I'm going to obey God in these areas, there'll be so many other activities, not bad activities, even good activities, that will take you away from God's path of obedience for your life. A dinner 
a birthday party. Just an event in town. It's important to have relationships, but is it important to go to every event you're invited? It's not. So wisdom is in being able to prioritize what is more important and what is less important. The most important are the things with God and for God. And yet Satan is a master in engineering activities to take you away from that main thing, which is the time with God. Radical obedience. Radical submission to the Word. Submission to Christ means you submit to the church. Submitting to the church means you submit to the leaders of the church. That's part of being humble. That's part of your humility. You see, a lot of young people will say, I love Christ, but I don't love the church. But that's being silly. That's like telling your girlfriend, I love your face, but I hate your body. Because the head is Christ and the body is the church. That's a good way to get smacked by your girlfriend. Right? So, listen. The church is the body of Christ. To honor Christ means to honor the church. To be committed to the church. And the leadership of the church. Amen. There's a pathway to experiencing more and more glory. And that pathway is called humility. And when you walk on that path of humility, you will have to burn the tire of your flesh. Your pride will have to burn your flesh. God will call some of you to spend more time with Him in prayer. God will call some of you to be more committed in some ways. God will call some of you to be more committed into life groups. God will call some of you to love others, to give yourselves for the service of others. And when that comes, I'm telling you, you're going to struggle in your heart. You're going to struggle. There's going to be discomfort in many of your lives this year. Some of you are going to get angry at me because I'm going to give you assignments that you don't want to do. I'm just telling you in advance. The leadership is going to ask you to handle some responsibility which will conflict with your present routine. But it is as you obey in those situations, you will see the change in your life. Hallelujah. Come on, worship team. Come on the stage. You know, you find gold. Gold in the scriptures is a symbol of the glory of God. You know, you don't find gold in the jungles, on the surface, on the open fields. Because if you would, all of us would be millionaires. 
Nagas have so many, you know, land, open space. Where do you find gold? You find gold deep under the earth. You have to go deep to look for gold. Amen. So in the same sense, when we want more of God, the glory of God, the presence of God that changes and touches and blesses our lives in amazing ways, the power of God that enables us to walk in victory, to walk in amazing miracles, the goodness of God which we'll experience in the church, in our lives, that will cause His glory to be seen upon us, that even though in the world there is darkness, even in your colony there is darkness, even in your neighbor's house when there is darkness, there is going to be glory in your house. It requires us to go deep. To be willing to go deep in a heart, in faith, in commitment. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 845533 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.